what is inflammation? Inflammation is your body's response to an issue like a, an infection, right? You need to have an inflammatory response. It is natural for your body to respond by sending in certain cells that go and help fight off bacteria or viruses, whatever it is. But what happens in chronic disease is that your body has been damaged and it still thinks, okay, let's go fix this damage by sending in these cells to go fix this damage, not knowing that this chronic disease is chronic and that that inflammation isn't helping anything. So then when you continue to have this chronic disease, of course you're gonna continue to have chronic inflammation because your body is constantly trying to heal itself, constantly. But if you are just eating the same unhealthy foods, not sleeping well, not exercising, you're gonna continue to have that chronic disease and then the chronic inflammation that follows it. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and BJ, and one of our initial inspirations with Yogi Triathlete was to raise awareness that living a more vibrant life is within reach for all. And a major piece of living a more vibrant life is the food we decide to put into our bodies. BJ and I realized early on in our triathlon career that what we consume on a daily basis weighs in heavily to our ability to metabolize nutrition on race day. Like everything, food is a lifestyle practice, not a quick fix diet or extreme deprivation, but a healing of our guts so that our bodies trend in a whole in a pro-health direction. So to say that we're pumped to have yet another amazing doctor from the plant-based telehealth family with us today is an understatement. We're so excited to be welcoming on Dr. Nikki Davis to the show. Dr. Davis is literally a rocket scientist, but certainly not because that is what is required to eat a whole foods plant-based diet. In fact, moving away from animal products was sparked by an intuitive feeling that eating animals was not healthy. And so at the age of 13, she began her shift towards a more vibrant life. Dr. Davis has learned from many of the greats in the field of lifestyle medicine, including Yogi Triathlete podcast guests, Dr. Michael Clapper and Dr. Alan Goldhammer. We've been doing our research. We are loving what we're hearing. And of course, we want to know more, go deeper, and shine a light on the gifts that Dr. Davis is here to share. So thank you so much, Nikki, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. Uh, well, we already know what an awesome person you are because we are 27 minutes into a podcast that is really only a minute in because we've been having major technical issues <laughs> and you still can't even see us, but we really appreciate you rolling with it and uh, and being so kind and generous with your time. But um, so, yeah, we're excited to have you here. I don't know if you've heard the other podcasts we've been doing with your colleagues, but everyone has just, um, gosh, everyone has just shined a light on their, you know, on their unique journey. And we'd love to hear about yours because it started so early on in your life. It did. Yeah. You mentioned the age of 13. I started removing animal products from my diet, but really it started when I was really young. I just had a tendency toward just loving animals. And I felt like eating meat wasn't healthy at the age of 13, but then as I got older and started learning more about how animals are treated, how it affects our environment, and then ultimately how it affects our health, uh, it was just an easy switch for me. 
So it was, you had kind of this uh, intuitive feeling about that. And is that something that you've found throughout your life? Have you had like kind of these uh, feelings that have guided you in different de decisions or directions? Yeah, I think, I mean, no one's ever asked me that, but yeah, I think that that probably is accurate. I, um, I think when people ask, or at least when people used to ask, why am I vegan? Why am I plant-based? Sometimes I'll tell people, you know, I feel like it was just the way I was born. I just, it's something in my brain that just told me you do not need animal products. And so then I started doing that at the age of 13, where I was just decided, I don't think it's healthy and stopped eating red meat. And then ultimately over the years, as I was a teenager, I started getting rid of more and more things like getting rid of poultry, getting rid of fish eventually. And then once I started learning more and more, it was very easy to then decide, okay, I'm going to give up the dairy and the eggs and then go vegan. But my story doesn't end there because that was just in my 20s. And I was vegan, but then started learning about plant-based and whole food plant-based. And that was that term plant-based started coming around about the time that I was transitioning from what I would say vegan to plant-based, where a vegan diet could be very processed. It could be Oreos. It could be French fries, right? And then plant-based is very whole food-based. You're eating things that come from the ground, things that you pick off of a tree. And so ultimately, I started going plant-based, realizing that that was going to benefit my health. And once I saw that, then it was as I was working as you mentioned earlier, I was working as a rocket scientist at the time, mechanical engineer, technically working on the space shuttle program. And while I was doing that, it was, I was just so passionate of learning about everything plant-based that I decided to leave my career and apply to go to medical school so that I could help spread the word of plant-based nutrition. And was that, I love these these moments because that to me is a pivotal moment where you're like you're you're totally fine you're you're doing you did school you got you're doing the job it's very you know fulfilling but yet there's something else that's that's tugging on your heart to pull in another way and if you can speak to like that moment or the moments if you had any that you felt is this the right decision do I need to leave this? Maybe your husband, I think you mentioned your husband was like, well, why do you want to leave this job? Um, it's pretty stable. And uh, what are you going to do? So was there any hesitation or doubt or fear in this decision process? Well, when I think about my husband and I, so my, I feel like he's kind of standing on the ground with his arm up in the air, holding onto my feet as I'm trying to float off into the sky. <laughs> and so I would say, no, I, I didn't have any fear. I didn't have any doubts. It was all pure excitement and passion. And it was, I, and I think that I'd always been searching for that. When I was working as an engineer, it was a good job. I was making good money. I was challenged. Uh, you know, I had good hours. I mean, I went from working a 40-hour work week to a resident working 80-plus hours a week. But I was still enjoying my life much more because I knew I was on this path to doing what it, what it was that I was passionate about. So I would say my husband gave me the idea but then was like, are you sure you want to leave this job that you've been working? You know, you've been here for seven years, you're getting promoted, you're making good money. 
we have a house payment. Are you sure? <laughs> and it was just one of those things. I know this is going to work and, and this is what I want to do. So this is what we're doing. And I, I haven't looked back. Oh, that's amazing. And I think, I think that's such a blessing. Like what a gift that you just knew, like, I, this is what I'm doing. And because I think so many people encounter doubt, you know, probably 99.9% start to entertain that doubt. Um, and, uh, and then things start to get a little shaky or we begin to introduce that fear. But one of the things that you said was you were excited and we forget, I think often, uh, I have to remind myself sometimes when I'm feeling scared or fearful, like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute to my body. It could be excitement or fear, right? The same kind of physiological response. So I get to label that and, however I want it. Like, oh, I, I'm really, I must be really excited to go and teach this class. Like, I, I'm just really excited to teach this class to like reframe it. But as you work with, with clients, as you work with patients, um, and if, have you encountered that, that they experience doubt on their path or if they're not seeing the results quick enough, how do you support them in that? Absolutely. I think that's very natural. That's very normal. And I, I do have times when I have doubt and fear as well, but in this particular circumstance and changing my careers, it was just a, let's do this. Um, but yeah, I, I have patients all the time. Dr. Davis, are you sure? Is What if I'm the only person that this doesn't work for? What if, um, you know, my weight loss stops? Um, you know, I, I, I do get a lot of that all the time and it's really a lot of, reassurance and helping them find their confidence in themselves because I'm confident in them. I've seen this happen time and time again, where eating a whole food plant-based diet can help people lose weight, improve their blood pressure. If they have diabetes, improve their blood sugar control. I see it time and time again. So for me, I have the confidence in them because I've seen it over and over again. Uh, so yeah, sometimes it's just about kind of supporting people through that. And that's part of the job that I really love. It's, it's fun to get to be with people in that moment where they aren't sure and they are you know, a little bit hesitant. Do you find that they, because we had this with Dr. Um, we had Dr. Miller on and she, when she started being plant-based, she, she wasn't really good at it and it didn't make any changes for like the first two years, I want to say. So this is long-term like commitment. Do you find people um, maybe give up a little too early when they don't see maybe some evidence or um, do you see more people sticking to it? I, I mean, I definitely see both. I, I do see some people that want to give up because they don't really have the tools. It's something that they wanted to try and they dive in head first, but they don't have all of the education and the resources that are needed to make a huge lifestyle change. We're not just talking about, let's try this quick diet for a week. We're talking about you are going from a specific way of living to a completely different way of living. And with the idea that you're gonna continue this your entire life, that is not an easy task. And so you do need to have things in place not just recipes, but you've got to have a community to support you. And whether that's people who you live around locally or people on the internet, whether it's your spouse, whether it's a friend, you've got to have support systems 
there are so many other aspects of making this lifestyle change work that it really is important to give yourself the time to learn that. I mean, I went from a standard American diet to whole food plant-based over many, many, many years. It took a long time for me to make that transition. Other people can make it overnight. They've done all the research, they've learned all the things, and then they switch and it goes great. But that's not always the case for everyone. So I think being patient with yourself and realizing you don't need to do this all in one day. It can be a very gradual transition while you learn how to make this your new life. Um, I want to just dive in a little bit back into your story because at such a young age, what was the, and again, like you weren't going fully vegan, fully plant-based, but was there any worry or concern from, you know, your family or friends that you were getting rid of this, you know, mainstay in your diet? Yeah, in thinking back, I didn't know anyone at the time who was vegetarian. And honestly, I don't even think the word vegan was really that big at that time. And in fact, when I first went vegan in my 20s, my dad didn't even know how to pronounce it. But, you know, going vegetarian at that time was kind of a big deal because, yeah, my parents were concerned that I wasn't going to get everything I needed. And I remember I, I, both of my parents bothered, you know, or bugged me for a while where my dad would say, oh, you can't just have a little bit of chicken, just a little bit of chicken. And, um, and then my mom later on when I went vegan you know, are you sure not just a little bit of milk or yogurt, something you got to, you know, you just got to have a little bit of that. And it's funny now looking back because my mom, you know, I had her look into all the, the data and, and she learned about everything. So she's like 98% plant-based now. Um, so she doesn't bug me about that anymore, but it was, it was, it was difficult at the time because I was one of the only people that I knew that was eating that way, but it just felt to me like the right way to eat. And I knew that I felt better. I wouldn't say that I felt a hundred percent better. I certainly was overweight when I was a teenager. And, um, and I think that getting rid of red meat was a start, but it wasn't until I really got rid of the processed foods, all of the animal products, including especially dairy and eggs that I really started feeling, feeling better and feeling like myself. Yeah, dairy is something that when I look back at pictures, and by all means, people would have categorized me as healthy and active. And um, I see a puff, there's like a puffiness in my face. There's, it's, it's, there's like this I don't know. It just kind of looks like somebody pumped me up with some air, right? Like there's <laughs> puffiness in my eyes. I suffered from a lot of like phlegmy type of allergies and things like that. And and when I got rid of the dairy, those things went away for me um, very quickly, very quickly. That and that was my story. It's not everybody's story, but for me, those two, it was like my body was like, thank God, because. I was definitely a cheese addict. I was eating a lot of cheese. Didn't really like yogurt, didn't really like milk, but it was, you know, cheese and I see that puffiness and and that was about 10 pounds that I've never 
brought back into my, you know, not by, because I'm trying to stay at a certain weight. I just eat. I don't really pay attention to calories or anything like that. I'm very active, but that 10 pounds, which I believe was from the dairy has never come, come back again. And I don't have that puffiness that I used to have. It's so interesting that you mentioned that puffiness because I also see that in old pictures of myself. And I feel like I've always had kind of chubbyish cheeks, but it was like looking back at photos from my twenties, I just I there was just this yeah, it's this puffiness in, in my face and I would say in my whole body. And it's interesting because now that I've seen it in myself, I'll be walking down the street and see it in other people where I I'm starting to get to the point where I'm imagining people at their ideal body weight, people I see on the street. Like I, I think I know what they would look like. It's, it's this interesting phenomenon. Where like, <laughs> I think I could see what, because I've seen it. I've seen it time and time again with my own patients and with family members and myself that you, you <laughs> see that, that person underneath. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you're visualizing for them, like we usually visualize ourselves, you know, like what, what we want to, we visualize something that we desire. We see ourselves doing it. There's some good science behind that, that, you know, it, it, uh, that the neurons are, are working in that same direction as when it actually happens in our life, right? Like we do this and uh, if we visualize running, I've seen some science around this, that the neurons that go down, that as you're running, the neurons going down the pathway, it's the same thing that's happening if you're just visualizing the running. And so same thing, like we do it typically for ourselves, but you're doing it for others. Like, oh, I see you in your highest expression, which is <laughs> something that I always, uh, I hope that if I can get my pride in check and my ego in check, that I'm always able to see everyone in their highest potential. I love that. I think I'm going to start doing that, seeing everyone in their, in their non-puffiness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things that I started realizing I was doing it and I told my husband, I said, Do you ever do this? <laughs> so I don't I don't know if other people do, but yeah, it's kind well, of now we're gonna thing. start doing it. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. start doing it. I am gonna too. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> do you have um and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but do you have do you have any one or two stories that you can share? Have you have you worked with someone that you're just like flat out like wow, what a transformation this this person made um, in only a sh maybe a short time that you guys had been working together, like a fully committed person? Yeah, I would say some of the the best that I have seen have been the short term ones, where you know some people it takes a little bit longer if if you've been living in such a way in which you've had a lot of damage to your body, sometimes it takes a while for that damage to be healed. Um, but for some people, it's just, it's almost overnight. And I saw this when I was uh, a medical student working with Dr. John McDougall. This was in 2016. And he had, I think it was about 40, 45 patients that came to his live-in program in Santa Rosa. And as a medical student, I was allowed to sit in on his appointments but also be part of the program where I got to eat the food and check my labs before and after. And it was just, honestly, I had read all the stories and I had already been down the rabbit hole of everything plant-based, but to sit in front of someone on day one and then sit in front of that same person on day 10 and see them get completely off diabetic medications or completely off blood pressure medications. Or, I mean, we had people with, arthritis that would wake up in the morning and say, I, I haven't had 
I haven't been free of arthritis pain in 10 years. And I didn't have pain this morning for the first time. And to just see that in such a short amount of time was, I mean, that just really, when I worked with him during that time, it was like, wow, this is, this is what I meant to do. I mean, this is what I love to see is that there is a way to get people better. We're not just putting a bandaid on something or hoping that this next medication that comes out is going to cure diabetes, right? We have the cure. We know what to do to help people get better. And for most chronic diseases, a whole food plant-based diet with a healthy lifestyle, good physical activity, quality sleep, managing your stress, having good social relations, um, you know, all of that is important. And it, so I would say, I know those aren't specific stories, but that was really amazing to see that there are people out there who can make major changes in their health in a really short amount of time. Um, what, in those changes like that, where they're waking up without pain, um, also the ability to sleep better, where does the, where does like inflammation play in with that? Because we know that a whole foods plant-based diet is an anti-inflammatory diet. So would you say, I mean, where, how heavy of a role is inflammation playing in these chronic lifestyle diseases? I think it plays a major role. And the reason for this, if, if you want to really think back, what is inflammation? Because we hear a lot about chronic inflammation, um, trying to eat anti-inflammatory foods, that inflammation is bad, bad, bad. But if you really look at it, what is inflammation? Inflammation is your body's response to an issue like a, an infection, right? You need to have an inflammatory response. It is natural for your body to respond by sending in certain cells that go and help fight off bacteria or viruses, whatever it is. But what happens in chronic disease is that your body has been damaged and it still thinks, okay, let's go fix this damage by sending in these cells to go fix this damage, not knowing that this chronic disease is chronic and that that inflammation isn't helping anything. So then when you continue to have this chronic disease, of course you're going to continue to have chronic inflammation because your body is constantly trying to heal itself, constantly. But if you are just eating the same unhealthy foods, not sleeping well, not exercising, you're going to continue to have that chronic disease and then the chronic inflammation that follows it. So what's great about trying to get rid of that chronic inflammation is you just have to focus on the thing that's causing it. And that's where you go down to the very basics of what is causing me to have this chronic disease. And it's a poor lifestyle. And it starts with a whole food plant-based diet. Once you start eating those foods, they are pro, uh, you know, they are anti-inflammatory foods because your body is healing itself and no longer needs to send in those cells to try to fight off whatever it is. So in and of itself, a whole food plant-based diet is anti-inflammatory. And you will see that as you continue to eat that way over time, your inflammation goes down. So people where you might have an autoimmune disease, where you have inflammation in your body all the time, and you've been able to measure that with lab work, like a, a C-reactive protein, you can 
then go and retest those numbers to see that your inflammation is improving. And we have that happen with people who are, all they're doing is changing to a plant-based diet. They're not taking extra medications and they're able to see those numbers come down. It's just, it's so amazing how resilient the body is and how not just resilient, but inherently wise, you know, and just this divine design that it's always organizing towards health. And I'm so grateful that you explained inflammation because I think, um, I've always said, I I feel like inflammation gets a bad rap because it is the body's, it is a mechanism to heal of the body, but it's, you know, it it gets out of control when, you know, we're not, when we're living these lives, like you said, a poor lifestyle. It's just, I'm in such awe of these bodies that we live in and and how they can repair themselves. It, It just, yeah, it just blows me away. Yeah, the, I was just thinking of, you know, we do long endurance races um, and we create inflammation in the body. I mean, we're putting a pounding uh, <laughs> on the body and then we finish the race and obviously the food at most of these races is not ideal. However, you know, <laughs> the, the choices we make and the choice that we encourage our athletes to make is to, you know, do a little preparation before or seek alternatives that are are not going to add any more inflammation to the body. And what we find most often is that, you know, the next day you're able to walk around better, better with a little bit of activity, a little, little bit of food and a little bit of rest. Like you're able to walk around better than most people that have finished that race. And I know some of it has to do with the amount of training and preparation for it. But, you know, when we first shifted and we did our first race together and the first thing we had after was plants, um, and this was in Cozumel when we did it, we just felt so good. And this was after a 13, 14 hour, uh, endurance experience. So (laughs) endurance experience, (laughs) that's what I like to call it. (laughs) There's other words. There's definitely other ways to describe it. But I find like it's a, it's like a superpower. Like I feel, I feel like a superhero. Well, I'm in a wetsuit, so I definitely feel like a superhero when I'm in the wetsuit. But when I finish the race and I'm able to go out and continue to do this, I feel, I feel really good. I don't, you know, I'm sure there's inflammation and stiffness, but it's not to the level it has been in the past. So I don't know if you've worked with athletes before or people who have gone to some extremes um, and what you've found in terms of what they've done with, um, with plant-based diets and, and, and working with that, you know, post-race and even, even during the race. Well, it's interesting that you mention that you're going to get some inflammation just from doing a big race um, or experiment, I think, as you called it. <laughs> um, <laughs> That makes it sound so easy. Maybe I can do it. Um, <laughs> of course you can. But, <laughs> right? Uh, but if you really think about it, you're allowing your body to focus on what it's meant to focus on, is repairing the little damage that was done during that race and to make you stronger after. Whereas if you're loading your body with foods that are not health-promoting, now your body not only has to deal with this damage from the race, but also with all this food that you've just shoved in there that is not doing you any good and causing inflammation. So your body is having to work on all these things at the same time. Whereas if you're just eating plants, your body's like, yes, thank you. All right. We'll just let that go through. And then we're going to heal up these muscles. Nice. And you know, it's doing its job. So it's really nice. Um, As far as working with athletes, I haven't worked with 
very many athletes. Um, but I have just heard that with a plant-based diet, it seems like your recovery time is, is much, much better in people who have been eating plant-based for a while and continue to eat plant-based throughout and after a race. Yeah. I mean, that's been my experience because I've done the, you know, cross the finish line and hammered beers and ate, you know, cheesy pizza and all that stuff. And then I've also crossed the finish line, ran to my car, got a cold pressed, you know, organic juice that I had in the cooler and ate like a chickpea wrap. And so I, I have had the experience of both. And, you know, at almost 50 years old, I can tell you that, you know, the latter has definitely served not just how I feel, the um, the stiffness and, and, you know, obviously speeded my recovery so much, but uh, overall performance, you know, my, my ability to feel good for longer as I'm out there. So we've talked a lot about uh, the food and, um, you know, one of the, like I said, I've hammered the beers and had the cheesy pizza and all of that. And what I also realized is somebody who has a strong drive to be their best, and I am competitive, I, I like to be competitive, um, that I can't perform my best if I'm, if I'm not eating well. Right. But it's not, so yes, the food 100%, I think it's such a primary piece, but there's other pieces. And I know you agree because you're a lifestyle medicine doctor, but what do you think is, well, do you think that the whole food plant-based diet is number one and what would be number two? Like, where does it go in the ranks? Wow. So like the ranks of lifestyle medicine pillars in a way. Um, yeah. Gosh, that's that's a tough question because uh, obviously I focus really heavily on the food because that's what we're putting into our bodies all day, every day. And it really does make a big difference. Um, but there are other things that are important too. I would say probably if I had to choose, it would be a toss-up between sleep and physical activity, probably sleep first. Um Sleep is just so important. I mean, we talk about our body always wanting to heal. Um, I remember I had a, a psychology professor in college who he said, you know, the, do you know the reason why we sleep? And we're trying to, you know, tell him all these reasons why we sleep. And he says, it's so that you won't eat. <laughs> it's to give your body a break <laughs> from eating. Uh, so that's, that's one of the reasons, right? Is that you're, because when you're, when you're constantly eating, your body is having to deal with that. Whereas when you can, when you finally stop, your body can do other things. It can go through and clear out toxins out of your body. It goes through and does its healing. It heals DNA. I mean, our DNA is, is getting damaged all the time and, and you need your body to be able to go through and, and fix those, those little problems. And sleep is one of the things that helps with that. And of course, sleep does a lot of other things too. If you talk to anyone who has had even one night without good sleep, you know how important sleep is. So sleep is hugely important. And then physical activity. I mean, we just know that people who move more, live longer, have healthier lives, are happier people. And I love that in lifestyle medicine, we, we call it physical activity because doesn't matter what it is that's making you move. It doesn't need to be exercise. It doesn't need to be going to the gym at 5 a.m., right? It can be walking to your local grocery store at a quick pace. It can be dancing 
Uh, it can be anything that you want it to be. My favorite thing is to walk up the hills, up and down the hills around my neighborhood. But as long as you're getting some kind of movement, and we know that by getting that, that is hugely beneficial for so many different things. So I would say that those would be kind of my top top three. Yeah, sleep. That's so interesting. I you know I know that um, you know that the rest and all that, but I've never looked at it from that perspective that it gives us the break from eating, which is so important. And um, obviously yogi triathlete, we are yogis, right? We, we do a lot of uh, coming from this, you know, ancient philosophy of the mind. And uh, one of the things is, which is a primary lesson of, of yoga or the yoga of food is like, we, we eat by time and tongue, like, oh, it's noon, I should eat. Like, you know, oh my, you know, oh, this tastes good, so I'm just gonna eat more and more and more. And we eat too much too often. Um, and so I never really looked at sleep as getting like almost that little fast in there. And I know you wanted to ask a little bit more about um, fasting. Dr. Davis's yeah. Yeah, perspective on fasting. Yeah, I'm so curious. This is something we've experimented with and we've done, you know, everything from like, you know, a 12 hour fast to, we've done a 24 hour fast. Uh, Mondays used to be our 24 hour fast and we would go for a light hike, you know, just move our bodies at the end of the day, just to prolong it a little bit longer. Um, but but who do we just, uh, Dr. Miller? Dr. Miller, yeah, yeah. she was talking about 10 hour, 12 hour feedings. And I think building it around sleep is like, it's, that's the jam because you can't you can't do anything. <laughs> Obviously, you're sleeping. But where do you Absolutely. see where do you, where's your take on on fasting? Especially since you were up at that um, you're up in Santa Rosa at the at the because mm-hmm. they do they do water fasting. Yeah, I'm curious. Yes, yeah. Um, so yeah, this is this is a great question because I I was able to go work for a month as an intern at the True North Fasting Center, and that's in Santa Rosa, California. Uh, it was started by Dr. Goldhammer. Uh, you know, I mean, lots of people that have been there that help out. Uh, Dr. Anthony Lim, who works with Dr. McDougall, um, Doug Lyle, Dr. Doug Lyle, um, Chef AJ has been there. So a lot of people that have gone to to speak to people who are there to do fasting. So this center is a, it's not only a water only fasting center where you can go and drink water only for however many days, up to 40. But people also go there to uh, just change their diet. So some people go to not even fast. They will go and just eat the healthy food and get better. Um, But fasting in and of itself, I mean, we just talked about it. It's giving your body a break from having to digest food all the time. And so part of fasting is really putting your body into this healing mode where it just doesn't have to do as much work and it can get a lot of things done in a shorter amount of time. So I was lucky enough to be able to see a lot of patients get well over that month. And I absolutely think it's a great tool. I would not recommend that people try to do fasting at home if it's going to be longer than a day or two, if it's water only fasting. I think being medically supervised makes a lot of sense. Uh, And at True North Health Center, they do have doctors on staff that are constantly watching you. So that's a great place to go if you want to do a long fast. Now, you also mentioned what's called intermittent fasting, which would be, you know, some people follow that at night where at a certain point they stop eating 
maybe 5 p.m., 6 p.m., they stop eating, and then they wait to have their next meal until later in the morning the next day. And I usually tell people, you know, if you can get 14 to 16 hours of not eating, that sometimes helps. I think it's very natural because if you think about back before we were warm and snug in our homes at night and it's dark, but we have all the lights on and we're staying up later than maybe our bodies want us to, you get bored, you get hungry. You, if you want to try to stay awake and you're sleepy, um, you know, eating a little bit of food will help keep you awake. Whereas when we used to, we, before we had these homes that we live in, you would go and you would go in for the night, right? You'd go to wherever it was that you were living, you know, in a little hut or in a cave or whatever it is. And you would be there for the night. You're not going to go out and try to find extra food late at night. Uh, It just wouldn't be safe. So to me, it's very natural that around dusk, you stop eating and then you don't eat again until the next morning when you can get out and it's light and you go out and, and you find your food. So I think it's it's natural, and I don't think that it's a fad because I think it is something that probably most humans have done throughout time. It's just that now that we have access to food 24-7, we can eat as late as we want, as early as we want. We do. We, we take advantage of that because eating tastes good, right? Um, but that's where I think intermittent fasting can be really beneficial because it gives you that time where you say, okay, I'm done eating for the night. And it keeps you from those snacks that might be unhealthy late into the evening. And not only that, it allows your body to digest that food from your dinner. And then while you're sleeping, now your body can do the real work of the healing while you're sleeping instead of having to digest that pizza that you had at midnight, right? Mm. Yeah. Where do you stand on um, like breakfast? So there's a lot of people that will extend their fast. You know, they won't eat until noon or two. Um, but what about like a breakfast? So so actually starting your fast earlier in the day, the day before, like, are you, where are you with that? Like, do you think breakfast is important or is it okay to kind of start the fast early or push it later in the day? Yeah. I mean, I think it really kind of depends on the person. For me, especially like say when I was working in the hospital and I was there at 7am, I had to eat breakfast to be able to get through my day and not pass out. Um, (laughs) Some people don't get hungry until 11 or 12. And I don't, I don't like the idea of telling someone you need to eat at this time because just because like, well, no, you should. I mean, I always tell people eat when you're hungry and stop when you're, when you're full, you don't need to worry about, the calories, the portions and all of that, just wait until you're hungry. And if you're the kind of person that doesn't get hungry until 11 a.m., then that makes sense to me. But you do have to be aware that you're not going to have the energy that you would if, if you're not preparing yourself for the day. So some people just need to eat a little bit earlier than others, depending on what they're doing for that day. 
Yeah. I like that. Like, you know, eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full, which to me says, oh, there's some kind of body awareness there. There's some kind of relationship. There's a mindful relationship where they're paying attention to how the body feels like you did at a young age when you were like, yeah, there's something about this meat that just doesn't feel healthy. Um, what are some of the practices that you support your patients or maybe you do in your own personal life for keeping that mindfulness or that mindful awareness of, of body, you know, heightened? Hmm. That's, that is a good question. Um, you know, for me, I think it's, gosh, I feel like it's at some point it becomes more intuitive. It becomes more natural, more second nature where you don't miss as you're transitioning, say from a diet that is very, I would say almost addictive in a way where you're getting a lot of sugar, a lot of salt, a lot of fat, and your body is craving that constantly. And when that's happening, it is sometimes difficult to determine when you're truly hungry and when you're truly full. But for me, I've noticed that over time, as I've eaten this way, that it's become very second nature for me. I do recognize when I'm hungry. I do recognize when I'm full and I don't eat if I'm not hungry. Um, but I think that that does take some time. And I think it's something that you kind of have to be patient for because your, your taste buds adjust the way you feel your relationship with food adjusts as you move to this type way of eating. And our don't we eat on the pattern that we consistently train ourselves to eat at? So if we say we always wake up, we have breakfast in the morning, this is what we do. So you're training the habit. And if we're not interrupting the process and actually questioning every now and then to say like, you know, am I actually really hungry or can I, you know, what is this that's happening? I think this gets into creating that space between the impulse of the mind and the act, the next action step you take. Like, I'll speak for myself. I come home and I'm ravishing. So I reach in the cabinet above the stove for the chips and the chips are the first thing that go in. And then all of a sudden I'll stop one day and be like, well, do I actually really need these chips right now? And, and I think getting into that pause area is pretty, is pretty powerful. Um, so I don't know how, how we, we interrupt that process or the habit that we've gotten on unless we start to question or get really curious about the way things are are playing out in our lives. And I, I feel like you're, you're pretty onto that, um, being uh, what we call awake and ready, um, you know, for anything, which being, being clued into whether you actually need something or not need it. Well, and yeah, it's, it's interesting because until we've been talking about it today, I never really realized that I don't have a set time for my meals. I, I just don't. I, I, I really truly wait until I'm hungry to make food or to have food. And um, it, I don't think that was always the way. I think it was this kind of regimented, okay, you wake up in the morning, you have your breakfast, the same thing you have every day. And then you have your break from work from 12 to one and you go and get your lunch. Um, you know, my schedule, my schedule is a little bit all over the place. Um, but but yeah, I, I find that that kind of helps me. I, I mean, I like feeling hungry. I, it's interesting when you've gone 
for a while where you eat so regularly that you don't really ever get really hungry to then feeling hungry. It's like, Oh, food just tastes that much better when you're truly hungry. And I do remember, I think it was chef AJ that mentioned this in the past where she said, if you feel hungry, think about if you would eat broccoli and if you won't eat broccoli, then you're not really hungry. <laughs> so you got to really determine if you're hungry, right? Cause you're always hungry for chips, put chips in front of me. I will eat them anytime, anywhere after a big Thanksgiving dinner. Right. That does not, that doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. That's so, I love that. I love that. Okay. That's it. That's it. All of our athletes that we're working with, with food, <laughs> you guys, you have a new, there's going to be a new question. Well, <laughs> there's a new question coming. Well, that ties into to fasting too. Cause when I find when we fasted, when the time came of when we would normally eat, you feel the hunger, right? So what you're talking about, you feel this hunger pain, but if you just wait a little bit or drink some water or something, or get to work, or, you know, answer some emails, eventually that passes, right? Or that's what I've experienced. And then you're on to the next phase or that next benchmark where you, where your hunger may come up. I, I like that a lot, just feeling that, that hunger a little bit. Right. Uh, I mean, your body's trying to tell you something. Your body's saying, we're, we're ready. We need some energy here. And, and it will pass if you drink some water or give it some time. But ultimately, you're just delaying it. Your body doesn't want you to be tortured and feel these hunger pains constantly all the time, it realizes it's going to give you this feedback and that you're going to have to then go and find food. Um, so it is important to listen to those cues though, and try not to ignore them because it, it is wanting food, but you need to give it the right foods, nourishing foods. Yeah. Broccoli. Yeah. Broccoli. Yes. <laughs> uh, speaking speaking of giving bodies nourishing foods, you have a, an amazing vegan son, and I love. I listened to you on Dr. Marbus's podcast, and we had her on. She was our she was our the first of the plant based telehealth family on the podcast, and um, she's she's very passionate about you know you give the kid the food and they're going to eat it, and if they don't eat it, they'll eat it eventually, you know. And I love that, right? Like that's how I grew up, you know, I grew up with an Irish mother and there was this Irish um, saying that was like, like it or lump it, which is basically like eat or don't eat, doesn't matter to me, eventually you're going to eat. And it's not that my mom didn't love me and I certainly never starved, but you better believe that eventually I started eating vegetables and liking them very much. So um, yeah, so he, I mean, your son was vegan in the womb, right? Like vegan from conception. Yeah. Yeah, and of course you're bringing up my favorite topic, which is my kid. Oh, uh, go, so that's do awesome. it. I want to hear all about him. <laughs> but I mean, how much better that we've got this little veiglet running around. Um, so I really, even during my pregnancy where I was plant-based, really enjoyed all of my pregnancy. And I remember my midwife asking me, when I was ready to have this baby out, if I was sick of it, because at some point all pregnant women are like, okay, I'm ready to be done. But I never got to that point. And she said I was the very first that was that way. <laughs> so I had a really great pregnancy. And, and then, yeah, I got to raise this, uh, this vegan kid who has, you know, been pretty much whole food plant-based. I mean, he gets the occasional like vegan foods that aren't the best, but I would say 99% of the time he's eating a really healthy whole food plant-based diet and he doesn't know any different. And so the great thing is that he expects me to serve him vegetables and 
I, I think I might have mentioned this in that podcast with Dr. Marbus, but there was one night where one of his favorite things is brown rice, broccoli, and tofu, air fried tofu. Mm-hmm. And one night I made dinner and I set it down in front of him and it was rice and tofu without the broccoli because I had run out. And he started crying, like <laughs> sobbing. Where's my broccoli? I can't believe you didn't give me broccoli. And I, you just have to kind of chuckle in that moment. She's like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. What have I created? Um, but then you feel bad because he wants the broccoli. You don't have it for him. But, uh, you know, they, like you said, they will eat the food that you give to them. You just have to make it available. I will have families, because I'm a family medicine physician, I'll have families bring their kids in to see me. And they'll say, you know, my kid is just all he'll eat is chicken nuggets and mac and cheese. That's all I can get him to eat. He won't eat any vegetables, won't eat anything else. And I said, you know, but that's, that's what you're giving him. You're giving him those foods. If you don't want him to eat those foods, you need to take those foods away and not give those foods to him anymore. He is not going to starve to death. Kids do want to live. They want to eat. And you just have to give them those foods. Eventually, they will eat those Mm. foods, just like you mentioned before. Yeah, but there's that pain, right? It's so much easier to just give them the pizza or give them the nuggets, right? There's that temporary pain, you know, there's the, and, and anybody who's trying to cut down their alcohol has felt this, right? Like there's that temporary discomfort of being like, you know what, I'm just going to have my wine glass, but I'm going to have a really beautiful kombucha in it tonight, you know, speaking from experience, right? Like I've done that and it, it tastes so, so lovely, but there's this temporary discomfort that says, you know, oh, but it would just be so much easier. And it's just one glass of wine. And I'm not anti-alcohol by, by any means, and but I've brought a lot of mindfulness to my consumption around that, and I've noticed that temporary discomfort. So you have to be okay with that. And I think with a kid who's been fed chicken nuggets and things like that, it might be, you know, a, a tempor- temporary discomfort could be, you know, a pretty painful uh, oh, experience. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And so you've got to be in it. and But you've got to remember why you're doing it. It is so important for your child's health. This is, I mean, this is setting them up for their lifestyle when they're adults. What, what are they going to bring from what you have given them as a child? How are they going to use that to make their lifestyle when they're an adult? It's really important that you remember the why of why you are having them eat this way, even though it might be a little bit difficult in the beginning. You just have to stick with it. Yeah. Is is your son aware of his why? I'm just curious if he's if he's well. How old is he? So he just turned nine. Okay. And he is. He's he's aware of it. He he has actually just told me the other day that he talks to the kids in his school in his class about being vegan and why it's important to be vegan. I didn't know that he was doing that, <laughs> but. Uh, so he's, he's trying to spread the message and he knows all about the reasons why we eat the way we do. And he does question it sometimes too, where he'll come to me and say, you know, mom, it's really hard to be vegan around people who aren't because they have certain snacks that they bring to things and I can't have them and it's not really fair. And so I use that to just bring it back to, but do you remember why we have chosen to eat this way? 
And why is it that you, you like eating this way? And he comes up with all those same reasons and he, it reminds him. And I think that that happens a lot. I, I see it in my patients too, where they will sometimes be struggling with say, okay, I just have to remember, I want to see my grandkids, right? I want to be able to spend time with my grandchildren or my children. I want to be able to go on that trip and remembering why you're doing this because it is difficult when you are living a lifestyle that is different than most people. Yeah. And food is an emotional topic. It's a very emotional topic and it, you know, it's, um, people get protective around it. Uh, but also there's like lineage in there. There's, you know, family tradition, heritage, ethnicity, recipes, all of that. And so, um, you know, at the beginning of the podcast, um, I was going to say something and then I had lost my train of thought. And what it was is just this permission that like at first you might not be that great at it, but you'll get better if you stick with it. And I think that the resources available now far surpass what was available when certainly when you started to edge out the animal products from your plate. And most definitely 10 years ago when we went vegan, there what you know, there was rice cheese and you know, that was about it. And um you know, but it's okay. Like your body is resilient. Your body is designed to survive and heal and organize towards health. And so at first, like we weren't that good at it. We were missing a, you know, we were low on a few nutrients, but that provided fuel for us to get better at it. And you get better and better and better over time. Um, have you had any pushback from other parents or um, has your son received any pushback from any of the kids at school? Like, how do you navigate those things if you've experienced them? Luckily for us, we have not. And I think quite the opposite, where I have had parents come up to me and, you know, I heard that you guys are eating vegan, you're plant based. So, what did you do for Thanksgiving? Or, uh, you know, can you tell me a little bit more about that? So I've had where people are more curious than they are um, against or questioning it. I haven't, we haven't had that come up. Oh, that's that's amazing. amazing. I love that's that. Awesome. That's amazing. Um, it's a new world. I'm telling you. It yeah. is. So, I agree. Do you, so do you see, cause you're, you're on the front lines is, do you feel this momentum? Um, yes. and shift? Yeah. It's pretty powerful. I, I have seen it, especially since I started medical school, which is because that's really when I made, and that's when I started. I remember I was even making a list of people who I was seeing talking about it, and it was a short list. And now you can't even keep a list. There's so many people out there that are following this this lifestyle and doing things like your podcast uh, that you just can't even keep up with it anymore. Um, so absolutely, we're seeing this movement going forward. And it's still a small movement, but it is, it is gaining traction. Definitely. And what do you think about like Dr. Clapper's uh, moving medicine forward program, going into medical schools, talking to these students, like what's, what was your reaction when you found out that he was, you know, that this movement is happening and is happening now within medical schools? Yeah. So super excited because when I went into medical school, I was hoping to get at least some nutritional training, but I ended up getting really none. I got a little bit about macronutrients, but 
nothing about nutrition and certainly nothing about plant-based nutrition. And it was, it's really something that's lacking. We know that doctors around the country are just not getting trained in nutrition, but yet we're always told when you're going to change your diet, you need to go talk to your doctor who has not been trained in how to help you change your diet. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. So I think it's amazing what he's doing because he's not only bringing nutrition into medical schools and helping people learn about proper nutrition and human nutrition, but he's bringing in evidence, the evidence of plant-based nutrition. So it's not just about us trying to, you know, sell a gimmick or, or a fad. It's, there's so much data, so much research about plant-based diets being the best for human health. And it's really exciting that people who are actually out there doing the work and helping people get well are going to be more and more of them are going to be learning about healthy nutrition and especially plant-based nutrition. It's amazing. And, you know, I've always felt that, that we can always reach higher states of health. So I think, um, I think that's possible. I think that we can always reach higher states. I think we can always, you know, fine tune and, um, and support our bodies and our minds in, in new ways. And so I don't think you're at risk of, you know, going out of business because everybody's going to all of a sudden be super healthy. Cause I think that as everyone grows and evolves in this pro health direction that, um, you know, this, doctors like you and plant-based telehealth and the colleagues that you share this mission with that we're all going to keep raising the bar. And it's, I think it's really exciting. Um, what do you, what's kind of your, um, what are you jazzed about for the future right now? I'm just excited that there are people like you out there. There are people out there trying to help spread the word because how sad to live a life with a chronic disease that makes it to where you no longer enjoy living. You're miserable every day and not even be told that there's a different way to go about it. There are some people out there that are struggling and they're miserable and they haven't been told that this is an option. And that's where I think, I'm excited that there are more and more of us out there that are helping spread this because people need to be told this, even if they decide not to change their diet or change their lifestyle, that's okay. But to have never even been given the chance is, is really a tragedy because it really is possible for people to completely change their lifestyles and get well. And I've seen it. I see it. Every day I see people getting better. It's absolutely possible. And I think everyone deserves to have a chance to have a better life. Ah, I think that's beautiful. I love, that. yeah. I love that. We're excited about all those things as well. And we appreciate people like you. Uh, we appreciate all the doctors at Plant-Based Telehealth. We appreciate Dr. Marvis, you know, and, and uh, Anthony who, who started this. And, and, um, and I think it's such a gift to the world. So we are so honored to be able to share, you know, yet another story 
that is a part of this plant-based telehealth family. And we thank you so much, Dr. Davis, for being with us today and bearing with us as we figure out our, you know, the technicalities of podcasting remotely. But what a gift that we're able to connect with you today. And then we get to share this with the world. So thank you so much. Thank you both. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. Well, take care and we'll be following. And um, yeah, certainly appreciate your time.